Hello and welcome to Who Watches the World Cup, the podcast where we're inevitably disappointed at another England performance. Dave, this this is group this is group F, the famed Gary Lineker. Group of F. Lol. This, yes, thank you. This is and I didn't write that. As we have previously said before, some poor unpaid intern came up with it, and then you made the joke, <laughs> hope you got another latte. Probably didn't. The BBC is stingy. But the group F, the group of F, was supposed to be the most exciting, the most dynamic, the most fucktastic group. Is <laughs> that what the F stands for? Yes, the F doesn't stand for death. It stands for fucktastic. And... We're covering this last group of the Euros on the final day of the group stages. We've done it. That's aligned almost perfectly. It really has. Well, it's mostly just because we're too lazy and disorganised to... uh... (laughs) And it just happened to land this way. No, no, no. It was fantastic and rigorous planning. So, here we are. The last day of the group stages. Group F actually have the final games of the day. I think. So, let's let's get into this group, make some predictions that will inevitably be wrong, and then in the next episode we could be like, well, that didn't go as planned. <laughs> the final round of group games is a great time to make predictions for what's going to happen, because there's a lot more data to go off of, and we're more likely to be closer to uh, to what actually will happen. Oh yeah, so group F... Who are we rocking? Who's who's rocking and rolling in the fucktastic group? <laughs> I don't know, I don't know if I can repeat that, but sorry, group... sorry, it's sorry. I I keep pronouncing it, it's funktastic. Oh, I see. That's much better. There's plenty of funk. There's a lot of funk in Group F. It's a bit it's a bit funky in there. They really need to open the windows and let the let the yeah. They, there are some superstitious players who don't wash their uh, their <laughs> jockey straps. Oh wait. <laughs> That's a water boy, isn't it? Uh, I don't know. But yeah, I'm sure there's some funky dressing rooms after all these games that have been played in, in all the, if so few stadiums. Yeah. I bet. Um, and in some ridiculous hot temperatures, definitely some, some, some crotchal funk <laughs> emanating through these. Through these. I'm so going anyway, to um, let you edit, edit out. I'm going to let you edit out as much of this as you want. There won't be any. This is gold. <laughs> Speaking of gold, um, former uh, World Cup and Euros winners, France and Germany, are joined in this group by uh, the reigning European champions, Portugal, and Hungary, who are currently propping up the bottom of the table, um, as was probably most people's expectations <laughs> before this group. There's um, this funny video of um, a Champions League draw from, I can't remember how many years ago now, where I think Slavia Prague... Um, were joined, ah, don't quote me on that, Slavia, Prague, Legia, Warsaw, one of these really small um, European teams was drawn in that group of death that year with like Barcelona and Inter Milan and all the other teams. And it was a bit like this, where the, any of the other three teams could have gone go to win the tournament and then some tiny team on the bottom. And the camera footage from that draw just shows the directors or the chairman of this small club just having to laugh when they saw their name drawn <laughs> after all those other teams. It's like, well... All right, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> and I can imagine the Hungarian FA doing the same thing when they saw this draw. Being like, well, 
it'll be fun. We're playing against some. Uh, we get to play, we get to tell our grandkids we played against Ronaldo and Mbappe and Manuel Neuer, and that'll be nice. All in all in one month. <laughs> all in the space of a month. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well this space is, of a week. This has been a pretty interesting group because in a previous episode we literally said what the hell's happened to germany where have the germans gone and then a few days ago i sent you a message to say uh knock knock somebody's at the door oh it's the german national team they've arrived they finally arrived yeah so run me through this group what were your expectations how did it start and then like how has this group gone leading up to this this final clash at the group stages well i guess everyone would have gone into even though the group is the group of f i think everyone still would have expected france to be the best team in the group and to go through top and to maybe go all the way and i think they're still still among among the favorites i think they're the second the number two ranked team in the world reigning world cup um reigning world champions so they are still probably the best. And what we saw from Germany in the World Cup was that they really didn't show up then and sh- kind of shock the world. Um, even though I kept calling them the quintessential tournament team and they're going to show up, Dom, they're going to show up. You said they were going to show up and they didn't, but this time? This time, may- maybe it's a different story. Um, and Portugal, yeah, we, I mean, we spoke a lot about um, their ageing defence in the World Cup and you know, didn't, that didn't hurt them too, too badly. I think they got... They got to the well, the quarterfinals did they, of the World Cup, so um they did okay. Um, but yeah, I think this everyone looked at this group at the beginning of the tournament thinking like you are there's going to be some oh, you did sorry there's going to be some tasty games in this, mm-hmm. um, and I mean the, the Portugal and France is tonight that's obviously a big heavyweight clash, um, but the other he- heavyweight clashes have been vastly in contrast to each other where. We watched um, France not exactly shine against Germany. They won 1-0 and there was no goal. Mats Hummel's own goal that won the game. And Germany really didn't look at the races at all. And that was their first game. Um, but then uh, Germany kind of just found this switch somewhere when they played against Portugal last week. Came back from 1-0 down, ended up scoring four goals. Uh, well... Again, two own goals, <laughs> but you know they were putting Portugal under so much pressure that, especially that second own goal, it could have any one of the Portuguese players in the box could have knocked it in. It just happened to go in off a defender. Um, so whilst uh, after after um, Germany's poor showing against France, and we were like, "What the hell's happened to Germany?" And then what they had, what it did against Portugal, I was still kind of like, "What the hell's happening to Germany?" Like <laughs> I just can't tell which of these Jekyll and Hyde sides it's going to be, and. France, um, while they did get the result against Germany, they were really frustrated by by Hungary, and they were France were wasteful as well. I mean, Hungary went one nil up. France had tons of chances, showed little glimmers, or at least Mbappe was showing glimmers of his quality and how he's a world class player, trying to make things happen. And it wasn't just quite wasn't really quite going. And then eventually they managed to draw and equalize. They kind of salvage a point against these minnows, Hungary. Um, uh, who also who had also frustrated Portugal in their first game. Um, both of those games played in Budapest, by the way. So the home crowd probably was did them tons of favors. But yeah, they frustrated Portugal for ages until they finally broke through and they managed to um, break the deadlock, get a goal. Then they got a penalty, which kind of gave Ronaldo some confidence to then just fucking 
walk past the entire defence to score his second and Portugal's third um, to kind of break their hearts a bit because I think I think 3-0 was a bit of a generous generous scoreline considering how well Hungary played and we were speaking just the other day um, that now we're kind of like because I guess because we're English um, we don't want we want to see Germany fail <laughs> yeah, and I suppose yeah. we, we kind of want to see France fail too but they've already got four points so mm-hmm. at this point in the tournament even if you finish third if you've got four points you're going to go through to the knockout stages because two of the teams finished third with, with three points um, so it would be great to see Hungary get a result in Munich tonight um, and, and frustrate the Germans um, but I guess that entirely depends on which of these two <laughs> German teams shows up um, and meanwhile hopefully Portugal-France is this kind of heavyweight clash this great entertainment Ronaldo and Mbappe Pogba you know all these players really come to light to really to try and secure something because something that we've seen with these last round of games is that sometimes teams who have a lot to play for actually don't really show up like uh, Austria and Ukraine I watched that game thinking these are both two teams that really want need a result to get through or at least be guaranteed of a safe um safe transition to the knockout round and they just didn't really they were both too reserved and too afraid of slipping up that it was a real boring, they were a bit of a boring game. And then in contrast to that, uh, Denmark's last uh, group game against Russia was one of the best games of the tournament. It was, that was unbelievable. Incredible game. Completely Absolutely incredible. amazing. Absolutely amazing. Denmark, I think they said it in commentary, and if we haven't said it before, it's certainly true now. Like, we've got to be everyone's second favourite team after yeah. the journey yeah. that they've been on. Um, and... Yeah, and and everything in that group kind of turned out quite nicely because we were kind of rooting um, for Belgium to score a couple of goals against Finland so that Denmark could finish second because that was one of those groups where three points was not going to be enough to go through in third place. Yeah. So whilst Finland, or you know, we can everyone could root for Finland just as a an underdog. You you would want to pick Denmark to go through with Belgium, um, and Finland to finish third. And as the results panned out, Russia finished bottom, Finland third. And Denmark completely deserved their their second place to go through as runners up, um, whereas Austria and and um, the Ukraine didn't show anything, and the Ukraine deserved to go out because they just didn't put their put their bodies on the line to try and to try and get through. So this Group F finale could go. <laughs> I guess like the whole Euros are showing. I guess what football is like. It could be glorious entertainment, or it could be. England in every take game that England plays. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's worth coming back to uh, to England in uh, in one of the later episodes because there's a lot to say. But I think it's uh, one of those things you were saying about Hungary, which is really interesting that they've managed to infuriate these bigger clubs, like when Portugal came back and got those three goals starting from the 84th minute. It's like, well, Hungary actually held Portugal to a draw for 83 of 90 minutes. And then, uh, it, you know, the they their, they had their substitutions. And, yeah, you know, and it was Guerrero, one of the defenders, who ended up scoring that goal just because they had right. to kind of start, you know, um, sacrificing... Uh, players at the back to push forward and try and create some extra numbers up yeah. front. Yeah, and we saw again with with Hungary France. I think France had two goals disallowed in that game against Hungary. I seem to remember, 
But again, that's like if your two goals have been disallowed, it's probably because the defence is doing their job. Yeah, and to and, be fair, they were strong and their goalie made a string of, of good saves. He was one of their best performers. Yeah, and so now we're going in against Germany and kind of like, again, two of Germany's goals, the first two goals against Portugal were own goals. Again, Portugal were leading that game until they scored two own goals. So did Germany need that, you know, that kickstart of, oh, they got us on the board? <laughs> was was that required for the German machine? Because if if those two own goals don't go in, it's it it's a two two draw for Germany. Yeah, I mean, like right. you said, that's assuming that those first two goals is what gave them the drive to mm-hmm. to kick on and score for themselves. Because they may they may well not have done. I mean, Kai Havertz had a really good game. I think he, I think he had one. Oh, he yeah no he he um didn't have one disallowed, but one of the own goals he was basically basically would have tapped in himself. If it wasn't for him, so if it wasn't for the defender. So um yeah there was glimmers and they have particular players who are who are standing out like Gozens the the left wing back I think he was putting in balls from the left all day got a goal for himself at the end um so yeah I mean I can't think of many other standout performances from the Germans um besides those yeah so obviously as England fans, we're hoping for Hungary to pull out some kind of wonder performance against the Germans today, win about 6-0, so that they can go into second place. Because whoever comes second in this group will face England in the next round, right? Is that right? Oh, then let me get my my predictor up. Yes, so I'm pretty sure whoever comes second in this group will play England in the round of 16, um, because England just won, we just won our group. Yeah, that's that's right, yeah. Yes, so if France, well, we're assuming that France are going to top the group, most likely. You know, like, something ridiculous would have to happen for them not to top the group, <laughs> kind of. Yeah, I think so. They're already already on four points, and um, let's see. So if well, they I were to lose if, to if, Hungary to, to yeah. win, they would still finish third, but go through. Um, yes. Or, or, um, yeah, they would go through regardless. So um, they can kind of do what England and some other teams have done and just go, all right, well, now we can relax and just mm-hmm. focus on the knockout game because regardless of what happens here, we're going to be there. Yeah. But who would you like England to face in the next round, assuming that Hungary are likely to lose? Which of those two, the Germany or the Portugal team, who would be your preferred choice for England to uh, England to face? Right now, I think I'd rather Germany. Mm, even okay. even after that four two win against Portugal, I think I'd rather. I think we. I think England could up their game against Germany more than they could against Portugal, who we've had bad luck against in tournaments over the last ten twenty years. Um, and there's the Ronaldo factor. Uh, so yeah, I, do, I no, I don't really want to face Portugal. If I'm honest. Okay. All right. Interesting. Uh, there was a, th- a little England statistic I heard the other day, which was uh, Gareth Southgate and England have made the fewest substitutions of any team at the Euros. And uh, looking at, at this list, because you're allowed to make five subs in a game now, which is like remarkable. Um, and every team in this group is making four or five subs a game, it seems. Uh, apart 
from France, who... Oh, no, they made, they made four subs in the game against Hungary, actually. But it seems like everyone's making the, the most of their team. Like, none of... They're confident that the, the teams have enough depth to, to kind of see them through. Yeah, yeah. I think France do have one of the better better squads in that regard, for sure. Yeah, and it's like in the game against Hungary, they were able to bring on Giroud in the 76th minute, and they're like, oh yeah, Giroud, the France's second highest ever goal scorer, comes yeah. on in the 76th minute. Yeah. Played, they started the World Cup final yeah. three years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, that would be annoying for any opposing defence to, have to, uh, have to have that complete change in, in personnel to deal with. Yeah, sure. so are you, are you expecting that this French team just to overwhelm Portugal later today? Or do you think the Portuguese are, you know, is Ronaldo going to be able to marshal everyone together to put up, you know, the performance that they have to? I'd, Portugal is definitely the underdogs okay. in this one for me. Even um, though I they're would, the reigning champs? Even though they're the reigning champs, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Um, looking at their squad, I mean, they're, they're missing a couple of guys from, from the, their... Um, from five years ago now but it is five years ago and we were talking five years ago or rather at the world cup about the euros that their defenders were were old because they had that mid that defensive three of pepe jose font and bruno alves um bruno alves is not included this time but font and pepe are 37 and 38 each um but this time they've got ruben diaz who they didn't have last time who arguably is on the best on the best center halves in europe at the moment um but it just seems, and what we've kind of seen in the Portugal's game so far is that without Ronaldo, then maybe they wouldn't, they would wouldn't have any any points so far. Um, but yeah, with France's quality, strength, and depth, despite their um, less than convincing start, um, I think France expect to to go all the way. And with Germany, you think they're going to be able to sneak their way through into uh, into another win here. I would th- I would expect so. Yeah. Even even with the poor display against Germany and perhaps the fortunate sorry they are Germany. The for- uh, the poor display against France and the kind of the fortunate way they got through got through Portugal. Um there's no no one is putting safe money on Hungary mm-hmm. here. It'll be a great story, but um and that's what I'll be hoping for, but I don't see it happening. Okay. So as football fans, we're hoping for Hungary to pull through. But I have to admit, as uh, as a politics fan, is that the, is that the word for someone who's into politics? You're a fan. I'm a fan. Oh, it's the same deal. We you you pick your team. Every team has a color. Many of them have songs. Uh, you go out there. You 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 support your team. Rally your supporters. Go out. Make sure your voices are heard. And then when the other team wins, you shout and scream at them for uh, for the next five years. And, uh, yeah, and complain that that you were robbed. Yes, uh, yeah, it's it's a very it's a very, uh, a very true thing in politics that uh, uh, there is no difference between supporting uh, supporting a political party and supporting a, a sports team, especially when so many sports teams, especially with football teams, represent uh, identities and you know political identities or what part of a city you grow up in and if it's a particular part of one city then maybe it's the poorer one rather than the richer one where which means that you know one of the teams is the rich person's team and the other one's the working man's team and so whichever one you're on the opposition can go fuck off 
Um, and yeah, like these things are all kind of inherently tied together and they're all tied into our, our senses of identity as well. And that's a really big thing in America where you have like the Democrats and the Republicans. There's only two teams. And once you assign yourself to one of those two teams, there aren't many people that kind of go back and forth. And that's why in America, those people who do go back and forth are so important and why they're always talking about the floating voters. Because, you know, the vast majority already have their teams. Mm-hmm. So it's swing only... states. That's another phrase I've heard. Yes. Yeah, exactly. The swing states. But like California, they know who their team is. And Texas, they know who their team. Alabama, yeah, you sure as shit know who their team is. New York, you know, like these, they, they, they don't, they don't swap very often. That's that's interesting because you'll hear Americans say that I am Republican or I am a, a I am a Democrat. Yeah, I'm a Democrat. Whereas in yeah. yeah, but you don't really hear anyone here saying I am a conservative or no. You might I say, am... oh, I'm I'm a Labour voter or something like that. Yeah, but you but wouldn't you say I am it. a Labour. You know whatever that word might be yeah yeah yeah. you don't assign it as part of your identity you just Mm. you know that's just the club you're a part of or the the team you support but it isn't who you are yeah yeah uh yeah it's it's a really interesting thing with with identity but again that brings us quite nicely onto talking about hungry um and issues of identity um we're gonna get on to the munich stadium in a minute because I've got things to say, Dave. I got. I messaged you yesterday saying I'm angry at Germany, and I haven't told you what I'm angry about yet, but it's to do with that bloody stadium. But before we get onto the stadium, we should probably talk about why they've decided that they want to light it up in these flags anyway. In the flags. It's the rainbow flag. Right? They, they don't have, like, multiple flags they want to light up. They want to do the, the, the pride flag. <laughs> Um, but they're doing that uh, in Munich. Uh, the, 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 the mayor of Munich and the, the local government a, a, applied to FIFA, uh, to FIFA and UEFA to say, we want to light the Munich flag up, uh, the Munich stadium up for the Germany-Hungary match. We want to light it in the rainbow flag because of an anti-LGBT law that is being passed in Hungary. So why are the Hungarians doing this? And it all comes down to everyone's favourite Orban. No, Dave, not the Orban that's on the pitch. Not the Hungarian player Orban. It's Viktor Orban, the uh, the, the leader of Hungary. He's uh, become pretty infamous, I guess you could say, around the world. I found some some adjectives to describe him. Where are, are, they are these your own or no like no no these are these are ones that the other people have used to describe him we have authoritarian autocratic strongman dictator right-wing populist now if i was going to say to you try and guess who his friends are who would you say who would you get if you're just gonna just gonna guess who he, who he might be friends with who do you reckon um, is he friends with Putin? God, that was a good guess. Was one it? of the, one of the other adjectives, Putinist. I did. I, I wanted to see <laughs> if you would get it, and you did. So that's great. I got it all on myself. Yep. Okay. And that he, sounds and, like I made a mess. I got it all by myself. <laughs> that's what Putin says about Crimea. Oh. Thank you. Thank you. Any any other guesses of who we might be friends with? Um. 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 
the who are the who are those who's those fascist people in Italy who we're talking about? <laughs> oh yeah, probably, probably them. Yeah, that that's also true. Yeah. I don't know who else he might be friends with. You're gonna to have to. Putin was was my was my trump card. If this was a few years ago, maybe I would have said Trump too. Trump was correct. Was that's it? A, that's another one. Another one of his friends. Yep, a big big fan of Trump. One of his best friends is Be- uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the now former prime minister of of Israel. Uh, another guy that can go fuck himself. Um, and this is <laughs> this is kind of one of those things with uh, with Orban when. Anytime you look at somebody and think they might be evil, they tend to be friends with Viktor Orban. And, uh, you know, that's just that's just kind of the case. Here are some things that uh, Viktor Orban has said after the Syrian refugee crisis. You remember after oh, the Syrian refugee <laughs> It's not. He said multiculturalism is only an illusion. As the leader of the Prime Minister of Hungary, he refused to join the EU in uh, resettling uh, Syrian refugees. He said that this was part of a Muslim invasion. And uh, and the, the EU said, we've got 1,300 refugees. Could you help us resettle them? And he went, no. And that was it. <laughs> that was that was it and to be honest if i was a syrian refugee and i was looking for a new home and one of the places that i could have gone for a new home just said firstly we don't want you secondly we think you're trying to invade the country um you know and, and also multiculturalism is a lie probably i don't want to go to hungary anyway i wouldn't want to go there i mean budapest is nice I, i've been there and it's probably a bit more multicultural and international than anywhere else in the <laughs> entire entire uh, land space of hungary but yes yeah well this again is continuing very much in the, the the same vein as what we were describing about poland in the previous episode we say that poland is moved vastly towards the right uh, the right wing traditional traditional in air quotes traditional values we don't <laughs> want this multicultural european thing going on in our country it's it's our country we want the freedom to move to any other country in europe but we want everybody else to fuck off it's that same uh that same kind of brexit mentality but more so right like boris johnson has said things about muslim women looking like letterboxes because he's a prick but (laughs) he he has not said that muslim women are trying to invade the country right so it's like uh, it's very much um, uh, they're like the right wing, but only more so. And uh, Orban is is kind of one of the one of the main um, the main proponents of that. He said Catholic democracy, well, Christian democracy. Sorry, Christian democracy is dead in Europe. There's only one country that has it in the world, Brazil, because he loves Bolsonaro. Big oh. Bolsonaro fan. Of course he does. Yes. So when I say this is the kind of guy that he's like, uh, this is the kind of guy that he's like, right? So um, uh, when I was living in, in Moscow, I was on a TV show. I think I've told you about that. I did some... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was on a TV show and I did some script editing on a TV show. And one of the other extras was a Hungarian guy. He was really nice. He was really cool. We were talking about politics. And I was saying, well, Orban's a bit of a cunt, isn't he? Frankly, let's, let's, let's be honest. Let's just, you can bleep that, by the way. Feel free to bleep the word cunt. But Orban, he's a bit of a c***, isn't he? And uh, he was like, yeah, 
but also, for years, Hungary hasn't been able to really do anything. They can't get through the bureaucracy of their own government. Like, we have these same, like, as we've discussed before, we've got these coalitions, but the coalitions are always collapsing. No one can agree with each other. But at least with Orban, you know, he was able to build the highways that were always promised, but nobody could ever do. And to my mind, that's a bit like saying, Mussolini, the trains run on time. Yeah, and I mean, that's exactly what you just said, yeah. Yes, yeah, and it's that, it's that same thing, you know, and it's, it, it's, you know, it's China. Yeah, they're doing genocide, but God, they've built a lot of high-speed trains, haven't they? Um, and it always seems to come down to that. Why is it that the, you know, the morally ethical governments can't seem to do infrastructure? I don't know why it is, but if you can almost guarantee it that your dictatorship, your infrastructure is going to be top notch. You know, it's the trade off you get. You know, yeah, you know, yeah. What what do you want? Good infrastructure or to live a happy, comfortable, free life? You know, it's kind of. Well, I don't know. Like, I mean, speaking of infrastructure, I don't know what it's like where you live, but we've now got those electric scooter. things around that you can hop on all around the city and, and drop them off and you scan the QR code and you yeah. go hey. and there are probably a lot more accidents on those and that have been reported than that I've heard but you know when I see someone go past them, one I go isn't that some great infrastructure <laughs> well do you know this is this is again one of the things that I always say when people say about living in China or living in Russia and it's like you you're living in in Putin's Russia. Like, did you feel that there were things that you couldn't say or things you couldn't do? Or like China is the same thing, right? Like, you must have been scared to say anything living in China. And generally, in both those countries, like, as long as you don't say, Xi Jinping looks like Winnie the Pooh, then you're gonna be all right, right? Like, as long as you don't, as long as you don't bring up A. A. Milne or say, I think I think that Putin's tits are saggy, <laughs> then. I waited till you took a drink of water before I, I delivered that line, just because I wanted excellent. to see what would happen. Well-timed. Yeah, thank you. But you can do most things. And this is, like, well, you could do, you in Russia, as long as you don't say the things you're not supposed to say, you are more free than in living a regular life here in the UK. Right? And electric scooters are the perfect example to bring up here. I say that unless you are a gay person. In both of these, you know, in, in Hungary and, and, and in Russia as well. In which case, you are definitely absolutely not. But electric scooters are a perfect example of what I mean. Because they were in Moscow and they were they were in the UK. And in the UK, it's like, no, if you're in a certain area, you can only go at a certain speed. And we've set the scooters up so that people can only do what we want them to do. Whereas in Russia, it's like, yeah, fucking go for it. <laughs> right there's no regulation there's no rule on it it's do what I, do what you want to do but that because people are free to do as they will as long as they don't mention putin's saggy tits <laughs> and i can't say how that is in hungary but the people in hungary it's definitely not true is the lgbt community which is going to nicely bring us over to uh to our conversation today um the Orban and his his party in Hungary are bringing in a new anti-LGBT law that the EU has said is grotesque. The EU have said, "Mm, Budapest and Warsaw, you need to sort your shit out. Because as we were saying in the previous, you know, the previous episode, we're we're just going in different directions. Um, 
there's been a mass movement from Belgium, Netherlands, Luxembourg, Scandinavian countries, all of these countries coming together. The EU, Dave, coming together on something to say this shit ain't right. Um, and we've seen this in a discussion with, uh, with, with Germany as well in the last couple of days. Uh, Orban himself was supposed to be in Munich to, uh, to watch the football later on uh, today. Uh, but after this outcry, he's like, ah, I'm not going to bother. So Orban is not going to be at the Hungary, the Hungary Germany game where he was supposed to be going because the outcry over this uh, anti-LGBT law has been so big. So what what is this law? How is it going to affect people? Is it the first one? No, it's not the first one. This is what what they've been doing for ages. Um, but it does continue a trend of these right wing countries trying to say we're not really homophobic. We're just traditional. And that's something that we're kind of, we're kind of used to hearing. Uh, but they do it in these really insane ways. So this is another classic. Well, I, I, something I can almost imagine being used 20 years ago by the Republicans in America, where they're saying, ah, we're not trying to hurt gay people. We're trying to stop pedophiles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you remember that kind of rhetoric, that that like exact that exact sort of thing. I think I do. Yeah, that they were basically one and the same. Yes. Yeah, and that's what we get with uh, with this new Hungarian law. So this this new one is pretty. It's pr- the law itself is pretty popular because you know people don't like paedophiles very much, and so and so another law to to uh, to crack down on paedophilia. It's difficult to stand in Parliament and say, no, I don't want you to be horrible to those paedophiles. It's a pretty, yeah. a pretty stuff. Uh, Protect pretty tough the pedos. Protection. <laughs> I'm definitely editing that and putting that online later on. <laughs> but this is, this is the law that they produced, right? They produced this, this, uh, this law against paedophilia. And then kind of at the bottom of the law, written in the small print, in the margins... They've put in like a little adjacent thing um, that says in media, there is to be no depiction or promotion of homosexuality to those under 18. Right. And that's that's pretty much it. So they're going, ah, no, no, it's for people under 18. Right. It's for children. So the idea is to stop pedophiles. Adults can be as gay as the day is long in Hungary, the, the government has said. But we just we don't want to be telling our children that they should be gay because it might make them susceptible to paedophiles. Now, um, all right. Yes, this is, yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. It seems like a, pre- a pretty, a pretty fair response, but <laughs> the, the people are pretty upset about this law across Europe, understandably, but some of the, the, the companies in Hungary are upset at it for different reasons. So you've got, uh, RTL, which is a major, like, uh, a TV channel, and media organization within within Hungary. They've said they're pretty upset about it because um, it means that they can't show friends, famed sitcom friends. They can't show that anymore. Is that big in Hungary? Well, it's big everywhere. You think like, everyone watches friends, like ar- around the world. It's why why you when you meet somebody from from China or something and they speak with an American accent, you're like, what? And they're like, ah, I watch friends. And the yeah, yeah. I mean, we've had plenty of international friends who, if not learned from TV, but uh, honed their English through yes. watching American and, and British 
MTV show, so they yeah talk with that twang. It's it's yeah. bizarre, but you know can't yeah. knock it. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a great you, way of learning, isn't it? You, it's it's such a saturated market. Yeah, you might remember in Friends, um, uh, Ross Ross's ex wife be- became a lesbian or came out came out as a lesbian and had a, a, a lesbian marriage. So you can't show that in Hungary anymore. Um, Modern Family, the sitcom Modern Family, of course, gay couple can't show that. Bridget Jones's Diary can't show that. Harry Potter for some reason I don't remember if there's is there a gay couple in Harry Potter. Um, not that I remember. Now maybe it's the thing about paedophiles. I don't know, but uh, we can't show under 18s Harry Potter in case they become susceptible to paedophiles. Yes, well then we don't want them going around holding their own wands, do we? <laughs> So, uh, uh, Philadelphia, the Tom Hanks movie, Billy, well, yeah. e- Billy Elliot, these are all, like, these are, uh, again, Billy Elliot, I don't even remember the character of Billy Elliot being gay. Although or anyone in that movie being gay. Was it just about a kid who wants to dance, and that's, you know, that's not very boyish, because he's no, from a working class northern English uh, neighbourhood. Yeah, I can't remember if, if there are gay characters in that. A good, a good excuse to watch a great movie again. To find out why it's banned in Hungary. That's why I'm going to do a lot of things from now on. Is to find out why it's banned in certain countries. <laughs> um, there, there, are, there, are, there are some great ones that were banned. Not the, not the film censorship is, is anything new, of course. Like uh, in China, they'll, they'll find any reason to ban something. Joker was banned. Deadpool was banned. Uh, of course, the Ewan McGregor film, Christopher Robin, was banned. Because, I, I don't know. There's just, there just seems to be something... About about Winnie the Pooh characters that that gets on Xi Jinping's saggy tits. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what it is, but you've, uh, that's a second world leader you, that you've um, you've pointed out their saggy tits today. I would never say that these dictators, with their unlimited power, could be upset about me saying they have saggy tits. But you know, <laughs> who, I'm not even one to say that whether they do or do not look like Winnie the Pooh. But Xi Jinping does. Like, that's, you know, yeah. But I, no, that's, that's, that's to the side. But people in Hungary are, you know, you've got the people who are supporting the LGBT rights angle. You've got people saying, well, actually, this disregards our freedom of speech because you're controlling what we can and cannot show. Um, and it means that you can, you know, you can stop minorities. You can stop things from, you know, from expressing themselves. And that goes against you know, uh, the freedom of speech that exists within a democracy. We're a part of the EU. You can't silence speech in the EU because it's a union. Um, and, you know, that's that's a big deal. So in the lead up to this Hungary-Germany game, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pass it over to you if you saw what, what the discussion was going on surrounding the stadium in Munich. Yeah, I did, I did see the story. Um, and that yeah, the mayor had had applied to UEFA to light up the stadium. The, the Allianz Arena in Munich is amazing. Like the whole outside of the building, every panel on the outside is is a screen that you can light up, and they can do different light shows and different color patterns and whatever. So it looks they've uh, there's a picture online you can find of what it looks like when it's lit up in the rainbow colors, and it looks awesome. But um, yeah, I was a bit um, perturbed. I suppose that, and I, but I kind of understood UEFA's angle from how I read it. UEFA's angle said, "We're all for LGBTQ plus 
representation and diversity. We're obviously all about that. The whole, it's been slapped all, slapped all over the stadiums and all the merchandise and whatever. That's great. And we know it's Pride Month. But you kind of seem like you're only doing this because Hungary are just trying to pass this law and therefore that makes it a political act and that's something that UEFA don't like. And we've spoken about a bunch of times how if, if, if you can just if you can um, slap it with this branding of it's political, then it gives them an excuse just to, sh- just to get rid of it. Yes, and this is where my anger comes in and why I almost ranted at you yesterday was for exactly this. Yeah. Uh, Manuel Neuer, the German goalkeeper, wore a rainbow armband. And uh, UEFA, for some reason, felt that it was necessary to to look into it. And then they looked into it for about 10 minutes and they went, now it's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. and, and that was pretty much the end of that. But the fact they had to look into it is kind of weird. But the problem here, from my point of view, is not that UEFA rejected it. Because the, the, the mayor of Munich said, yep, Hungary are coming and to support the Hunga- uh, LGBT Hungarians during Pride Month, we want to light it up to counter you know, what they've seen uh, from their own government. And as soon as I read that, I said to, uh, I said to, to, uh, to Alex and Steve, other awful commentary uh, contributors, I said, UEFA have to reject it. Right? Because... As we know with UEFA, they exist in as as physically possible a non-political space. They they say we are an apolitical body. We don't get involved with the politics. You remember when uh, some of the teams wanted to wear the Remembrance Day poppy um, for, yeah. for 100 years of, uh, of the First World War, the end of the First World War. And UEFA were kind of like, you kind of can't because it's a political symbol. And that was like a that was like a big deal. It was, but then they, did the players wore it anyway? In the I end, can't right? remember. Yeah, I think yeah they did. Yeah they did, and that was like a ooh kind of thing. But UEFA had to say no to this because in in the Munich government's application for it, they specified we're doing this because of a law being passed in Hungary. Yeah. Right? What a dumb move, man. No, <laughs> no, no. This is why I'm angry. Honesty. No, 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 no. This is, this is why I'm angry about it. And why I said to you, and I, you, I text you to say I'm angry about this, but not for the reason you think. The reason I'm angry about this is because the government in Munich knew. Right? They knew if, that they were going to get turned down. They knew if they yeah. put in their application, we're doing this because of a law being passed in Hungary, that they would get rejected for it. If I, some fucking dumbass who knows nothing, sat in my bedroom, knows that UEFA has to refuse that law, then the government in Munich applying for it knows. If they had submitted an application that said, hey, it's Pride Month, and to celebrate Pride Month, which is a big thing we do here in Munich, we're all about inclusivity, for all of the games being played here in Munich against Portugal, France, Hungary, we want to light up the stadium in Pride colours to celebrate equality, and UEFA, you're all about that. UEFA should have said, yeah, we are all about that. But they didn't, Dave. What they did was they waited for the one match in which they would play against Hungary, and then they decided, hey, we want to celebrate Pride Month. Firstly, where were you for the rest of the month? Nice of you to turn up and notice for this one match, but then to deliberately say, we're doing it 
because of a law being passed in Hungary, means that they know UEFA has to reject them. I know that UEFA has to reject them, and who the fuck am I? So if they know that UEFA, as an apolitical body, has to reject something where they have deliberately worded in the request, we're doing this because of politics in Hungary, then why have they done it? Well, that's what I was going to ask you. What's, what's your prevailing theory? My prevailing theory is that as soon as UEFA rejected it, all of the other stadiums in Germany said, we're going to light up instead. Did you see that the stadiums in in Berlin in what in like or basically all of the Bundesliga stadiums said oh they're not gonna let Munich light up because UEFA are bastards but we're all gonna light up instead. So the whole of Germany is gonna be lit up in rainbow colours except it's... for the one place where the Hungarian national team are gonna be, which is what maybe a bigger a bigger statement against the Hungarian political situation than because, it would be for just the one stadium. Because all of Germany will be lit up. And possibly you'll see the, the other stadiums, maybe stadiums in France, maybe stadium, maybe London, maybe, you know, there are other games being played today. Maybe they're going to light up. But this, call me cynical, Dave, but either I'm cynical in thinking that the German government knew what they were doing and that are intelligent, or I'm wrong and the mayor of Munich is a fucking idiot. Uh, but it's probably the former. It would seem to me yeah. that the yeah the government of Munich would would be conscious enough to know exactly how this is going to play out, right? And that drives me fucking bananas because again this is no different to what we were saying in the last episode where we said about Disney using Pride Month to sell princesses in rainbow dresses. Right. Or even in comic books where it's like, hey, it's Pride Month. So here's a a variant cover of Spider-Man. Only he's in a rainbow costume. Bye, 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 bye. This is exactly the same shit. But what they're doing is they set it up. They planned. They've set up a trap for UEFA to step in. And then the the, fuck, the bear trap is clamped around UEFA. And now UEFA have to come out and say, no, 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 we're pro-LGBT. We're pro-LGBT. And they, Germany could be like, no, you're not. Because if you were, you would have gone with us and blah, 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 blah. Look, all of our stadiums are lit up. Look how good we are. And it's playing games. And they set up a trap so they can look better. And it's no different to all of those other companies doing it. It's everyone playing games with Pride Month, playing games with equality, so they can go, well, look how good we are. Or they're stupid. I guess it could go either way. But it seems to me, like, as the cynic that I am, that this was a very deliberate move that has gone exactly the way that the, the Munich government wanted it to and i'm gonna go on to paddy power bet 365 whatever fucking betting website i'm not gonna bet on the result of the match but i'm gonna put money on that munich stadium lighting up anyway oh i would i would put money on it on somebody in that munich stadium pushing the button and going oops and then when they're like, UEFA's like, who was it? We said you couldn't do it. They're like, oh, well, what are you going to do? We Look how good we are. You said we couldn't do it and we did it anyway. What are you going to do? Fine us $25,000? Because we know you don't do anything. 
right? We know, as we said about in the controversies episode, UEFA doesn't ever punish anyone unless they are billionaires. So what are they going to do if this Munich, you know, the Munich stadium decides to light up anyway? And it's all for press. It's all for PR. It's all marketing. And it's scummy. And to see across the internet people being like, oh, UEFA, UEFA hate gay people. Firstly, I'm the first person to come out and say UEFA can fuck off. But in this case, it's it's they've been, all... They've, they've been done, played, yeah. They, yeah, they've been played. They've done exactly what the, what they had to do. And the, the mayor of Munich can sit there feeling all smug, waving his rainbow flag as he sees his poll numbers go up. Yeah. Well, so if the mayor of Munich is conniving and smart, what do we think about UEFA's response? Like, couldn't they have handled this in a smarter way? Couldn't, couldn't if we, if, well, if you can see how uh, the, the, the puppet strings being pulled here, surely someone in UEFA has gone, do you reckon they're doing this on purpose? And then they could have at least put their heads together and gone, okay, well, how can we manage the situation in a way that makes us... Uh, seem like we are supporting the things that we support and we're representing the things we want to represent and yet we're not being played by some prick in a desk in Munich uh, we can all win at this instead of coming out and going oh no we're, we we do we do like LGBT stuff but 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 we can't because of what you said about Hungary and we've got rules and I'm sorry like they could have done better they could have done oh, I, I hate all this political conniving and underhandedness and just um i don't know real kind of evil evil thinking but it seems like uefa have missed a trick to to just stick one back in back in the mayor of munich's face yeah again yeah uefa came out and said they were in their document they wanted it to be you know a political statement against the hungarian government and we don't allow that Right. That's not what UEFA is about. So it doesn't matter if it's a good cause or not. You know, regardless of what the cause is, you're not allowed to make a political statement aimed at another country. And some people have said, well, in that case, you know, do UEFA start disallowing countries that don't agree to uh, the same set of values, right? If the Hungarian government passes anti-LGBT laws, do UEFA, who's, you know, who say that they believe in equality, do they have to prevent Hungary from playing at the next one? Should they kick out uh, Bulgaria for the, the racism that the black players have faced? How can you say you're pro-equality if you allow those teams to come and play? But we live in a multicultural planet. As much as Orban would like to say that we don't, we live in a planet, we are a race of many cultures, of many beliefs, of many differing ideas. And you can't both say we're a religiously tolerant organisation and then prevent countries with religions that disagree with your ideas around identity, right? If you wanted to kick out countries that have anti-LGBT laws, well, goodbye, Iran, Right, who were at the last World Cup. You've got to get rid of well, Malaysia, Indonesia, China. You know, it's... You, you lose African countries. The African Cup of Nations is gone. Right? And 
if you start removing countries because their belief system and their ideology is different to yours, repugnant as it may be, then the whole point of sports being something that promotes peace and cooperation and equality is diminished because you say, no, you can't join us because you think different things to us. And as I've said numerous times, Victor Orban can go fuck himself. He can go and join Putin and Winnie the Pooh and jump off a cliff. More than happy for that. But you can't prevent Hungary from... You can't deliberately target the Hungarian people at an apolitical sporting event. Yeah, that, that play, it all plays entirely into UEFA's mandate of it being an apolitical thing. So they... How, it's actually, here's a question. How can they, how can they punish... Um, football associations and countries for the behaviour of their fans or their players, if it's race or politically um, driven, um, on what they 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 do that. That's what they do do. Even if we've said it's kind of weak and yes. half-assed, but then why why where does that stop them from doing what you've said and make, taking a huge political action and being like you as a country? are not welcome in our tournament because of politics. Mm-hmm. And then they go, but you, you've said football is apolitical. And they go, yeah, but we're, we are UEFA and we're aligned with the, the EU and the, we will have, have these understandings of what is, what is decent and what human values are. So if you don't want to be a part, if you, we, or they set out a guideline that says, this is what we're going to do. We are going to put rainbow flags all over the stadiums during Pride Month. And if you are a country that disagrees with that on a fundamental level and we let's say we want to stitch uh we want to stitch a rainbow into every single nation's shirt and if you don't want to don't want that because it um goes against your political beliefs or at least the ones that the political um agendas of your governments then fine don't come and we'll just whoever's next on the pecking order who is happy to have a rainbow stitched onto their jersey they they can come play in our tournament I mean, what 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 would UEFA or FIFA at a World Cup level really lose? Because you're still getting a country to fill that gap. Even if you do lose China, Iran, Hungary, Poland, you know, whatever else might happen in the world going forwards, there'll be plenty of other countries who will happily, happily come along. Yeah. But you're punishing the people of the country for the actions of the government at a sporting tournament. Well, no, you're punishing, you're punishing the government because the football the, or a sports team is a represented represents the country and their and their government it doesn't necessarily represent the people. The people represent themselves. So, like with the Bulgaria thing, mm-hmm. um, a group of people, not all Bulgarians, not everyone who lives in whatever city that was that that top, that um, game took place in. But just a, a group of people acted a certain way and represented their their nation and their city. Yeah. So what I don't even know what their punishment was, but why not, let's say, if you actually want to punish the people who were responsible, go, well, then we're just going to have no more games at this stadium. This is clearly yeah, local yeah, to yeah. you. Yeah. So, And every time this happens at a, with local people at a local stadium, it's go, well, we'll just take that stadium off of the, the fucking fixture list. Yeah. Like, no, no country... UEFA affiliated 
doesn't have an alternative. Like, I'm sure there'll be some countries that have like a 25,000 seat, uh, 25, seater stadiums where they can hold big UEFA games. Um, and if you chalk that one off the list, though, maybe there's one that's only got 10, can only hold 10,000 people. But then you're punishing the government by, and the FA by allowing less tickets to be sold. And then that's actually going to be like, they're going to be like, oh, fuck. Like, we actually need those 15,000 extra tickets in order to blah, 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 blah. And I'm doing a bit of a rant now, but unlike you, who has a rant that is well-formed and has a beginning, <laughs> a middle of an end and a conclusion, I've just started talking and I don't know where I'm going with it. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so that's, go back that, to you. Yeah, so that's kind of the problem that I foresee, is that you end up with an, ideolo- an ideological club that's, that separates the world into what is and what is not acceptable for. And what that means is if you want to stitch a, pie, a a pride flag onto every single team and say, no, you if you you have to in Pride Month support LGBT rights and identity, then it means you essentially you can have very few Islamic nations participate, which means you are prioritizing people of an LGBT identity over people of an, a Muslim identity. And once you get into deciding which identity is acceptable and which identity is not acceptable, it means that well, you may as well just, you know, you'll just be playing England, France and Germany all the time. But maybe you can't play in France because in France, you know, they they banned the burqa. And they in France, they decided what is acceptable clothes for Muslim women to wear by law. Which means if you want to promote religious equality, well, France can't be allowed in your tournament. They can be allowed into the LGBT-friendly tournament, but they can't be allowed into the religious tournament, right? And let's say you want to have a racism one to promote, to promote Black Lives Matter. You can probably, you're, you can have, maybe you can have some of your African countries in there, but, you know, with the history of genocide in Africa, maybe you can only have certain African countries in because you can't allow other ones that have a history of genocide against other African nations. But would you allow America? Would you allow South Africa? Has South Africa gone past its point of racism now to such an extent, you know, where it can be allowed into that? Could you allow America into it? You you couldn't allow Myanmar to to join with its history of racism and genocide against the Rohingya people. And this is the problem of when you have a body like UEFA being allowed to make political decisions, is there is somebody at the top of that pyramid who gets to decide who is included and who is not included. And that's the fucking Victor Orban thing again. The only difference would be, it would be the identities that we like. It would be saying, actually, we do like the LGBT communities and we do think that racism is, is an issue. So I'm sorry, Bulgaria, but you don't get to participate because of your, you know, because of that. If their fans deliberately do something, they're out. Right. That, that's that. That's that is how it should be. Bulgaria should not be allowed to participate in the Euros if their fans go there and racially abuse football players from other countries, because that is a deliberate action by the people in the sporting tournament. And no one should have to put up with that abuse and it shouldn't be allowed. But the action of a government is not the action of its people. Because as we're seeing in Hungary, the action of the government deliberately hurts its people. That's the anti-LGBT law. Hungarian gay, lesbian, trans people are still Hungarians. 
And if you punish Hungary, if you punish Hungarians for the action of their government, then you're also punishing the LGBT people as well. And so what should happen today? I think what's going to happen is, is that, you know, we're going to see this light up. But the German players should come out in a rainbow kit. Because that is because that is the action of the players, not the action of some government official trying to promote something in a marketing thing to work. Because what that does is it plays into their political plans and they're using sport and they're using identity issues in an attempt to become more popular. It's a game. But if the players come out and do it, if the players kneel, if the players choose to take an action that is deliberately in favour of LGBT rights, you can punish those players if you're UEFA, if you want to, but it, that's their political action, not the action of a government, not the action of a, a sporting body. It's the action of individuals, and individuals can make statements because individuals are people. Yeah, what I would, what I would really love to see, actually, or what I'd love to find out, if there was anyone we could talk to about it is how um how many how many bulg sorry how many hungarians actually agree with orban's laws and whether he is autocratic and dictatorial and putin was it putin-esque yeah by, and and that he's just passing whatever laws he wants even if it goes against the opinions and the feelings of most of his its people because then because what i was thinking when you were saying about the German players coming out making their own statement um, uh, outside of what their, what their FA and what, what the, their mayor wants and what UEFA wants. It would be great if I'm just fantasizing about where the German players talk to the Hungarian squad and go, all these, all these um, puppet masters are making all these decisions about the game that we get to play later. Why don't we do something? And why don't, yeah, what if all the Hungarian players come out wearing rainbow armbands like yeah. Um, yeah. like Manuel Neuer? Or the, yeah, the, the, all 22 players do it. Or all 22 players take a knee. Just to be like, fuck you. Fuck you, Orban. Yeah. Fuck yeah. you, UEFA. Fuck you, mayor of yeah. whatever. We are making a statement. This is what yeah. we believe. And we are, even though they're footballers and they're kind of a, on a, uh, a level above, maybe you would say, the lay people, they are still the people of the country. They're under under the laws of the of both governments and sporting bodies that aim to control them. That would be great. What a, what a great image that would be for this tournament after this fracas. Yeah. With fucking, with fucking lights on a stadium. I know. And that, that's, the, that's what, what gets to me as well. Is, is that when we see it with companies, we see it with politics all the time. Is it's trying to use trying to use a group of people to further your own agenda. And that's what the mayor of Munich has done. And it's what Orban has done. It's just from different it's just from different sides of the issue. Yeah. And I'm trying just to find out what the mayor of Munich's name is, because we keep we keep dropping Orban and it'd be great to so we can we can name drop this guy so we actually know who we're talking about. Dieter Reiter, mayor of Munich. Does it say D- does it say what party he's uh, he's a part of? Uh, let's have a look. Wikipedia will have our answers. He's a member of the Social Democratic Party. Okay. What so do you know about not, them? Not much. It's not. Uh, it's not Merkel's party though. I think she's a Christian Democrat. I think. I might be wrong. 
Uh, it's one of the two major contemporary political parties in Germany, along with the Christian Democratic Union of Germany. Um, I'm just trying to find out what their kind of alignment is, according I would, to... A... I would imagine centre-left. Wow, nailed it. Political position, centre-left. There we go. Dominic Archer, just dropping three pointers from, uh, <laughs> from out here. Hell yeah. No, it's... Again, it's like. Well, it's, 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 it's speaking of just as on this thing about centre left, Dieter Reiter, mayor of Munich. Yeah. He's probably vocally, at least, very, always on the side of um, the left. But then it's just something about politicians that you. Their agendas always kind of will overpower their. Um, I don't know, beliefs, their systems. Like he, if um, any person who would be like who would maybe feel themselves kind of a centrist, but be like, yeah, but I'm you know I'm all for LGBT equality. But if you put that into a politician's body, they they are always going to be like, so how can I use this? Because mm-hmm. there is nothing that a politician does that that some thought isn't isn't given to what the effect or the opinion or mm-hmm. the backlash of what they might do is and it's just regard depends on how much power they have whether they give a shit so if you're just the mayor of munich what is what is the opinion of you both in terms of your city and your country and what your government thinks of you is huge but if you're putin you can just do whatever the fuck you want it doesn't matter because you were at the top well did you know who the mayor of munich was before this week because i didn't no no but then he so like you've said he's put himself on the map Victor Orban was meant to be there to watch that game. He's not coming now. Well, I wonder if how much of that was his own decision, how much was it of it was his security being like, I'm not so sure about your safety anymore. It's... And again, I don't like Victor Orban. I need to keep saying that. I don't like it and I don't like UEFA. But what I hate even more is the manipulation that, that, that is at play. And that is obviously at play. Yeah. And... So obvious. I mean, we've talked about obvious corruption mm-hmm. and why is nothing done. It's just, again, so barefaced. Yeah. It, yeah. Whether it's saying, oh, no, no, it's to stop paedophiles. Or whether it's saying, oh, I can't believe that UEFA, UEFA wouldn't allow us to do that thing we knew that they wouldn't let us do. If... <laughs> If the mayor of Munich really cared about Pride Month, that stadium would have been lit up from the very beginning. Yeah. Right? That stadium would have been lit up the whole tournament. Was it? No. Why did he only want to do it for this hungry one? Well, I know who the mayor of Munich is now, so he must have done a pretty good job. Well, let's see if uh, by maybe the next Euros or the next World Cup or whenever, we'll be talking about Dieter Reiter as... Opposition leader to yeah. Angela Merkel, or maybe even the Prime this Minister is her, of Germany. This is her final term. She's resigning after this term, I think. So maybe we'll be looking at him as a yeah potential leader of the the Social Democrats running for for the 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 chancellorship of Germany. Chancellorship. And if yeah. he does, I'll say probably I agree with you on a lot of issues, Dieter. But while I agree with you about a lot of stuff. Yeah, you're also an asshole. Yeah. Asshole! Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens with the, with the football, at least. Do you, um, do you 
do you hope for for an apolitical game of football, or do you are you kind of hoping for a bit more more spectacle and a bit more of a no, human story? I wanted Switzerland to play Austria because I wanted that Austrian player that insulted the Albanians. Marko Arnautovic. Yes, I wanted him to come up against Xhaka and Shakiri, and for Xhaka and Shakiri to be like, oh, you're going to do that again? You're going to do, do that to us? You're going to do that to us? And for them to fucking flip the bird in his face. As I've said before, politics and football cannot be separated. right? And what happens on the pitch happens on the pitch. And players can choose to, they can choose to kneel, they can choose to boo... They can choose to, you know, and fans in the state, they can choose to express themselves however they want to express themselves. And I am fine with that. And if Neuer wears the rainbow armband, if all the German players wear a rainbow armband, down for it, 100%. But what this is, is manipulation. And that shit doesn't fly. That's all I've got to say about it. I, I don't want football to be apolitical. I don't. But what I don't want is for it to be manipulated and for us to be manipulated. And for us to be like, well, you already don't like UEFA, right? So by the way, they're homophobic. Like, what that does is it undermines things like the Kick It Out campaign. And it undermines UEFA's projects that are pro-equality by digging underneath... To be like, aha, see, they're not pro-equality. They say they are, but they aren't. You can't set them up to fail and then say that they're not for equality. If they don't punish people the way they're supposed to, then they're not. That's their action. But this is an action that you have taken to show them up. And it's like a paparazzi, right? It's like it's like a cheap paparazzi stunt trying to get a... a an upskirt photo of a celebrity. Be like, oh, look, she's a slut because we got a photo up her skirt. <laughs> it doesn't matter and, that you're lying on your back on it in the yeah. gutter to get it. Yeah, yeah, on a skateboard so that someone could push you so that you could take <laughs> loads of them as, as you go. That's what they're like. That's what this is like. It's like a paparazzi. And they're going to kill Princess Diana again. <laughs> <laughs> That's not the only football of today, though, Dave. I think some football kicks off in like 50 minutes. Yeah, yeah, five o'clock kickoffs in Group E. Last Ooh. last games there. Who have we got? Last of Group E. Sweden are playing Poland and Slovakia against Spain. Um, in a game that's Sweden are the only team guaranteed to go through so far. So Ooh. it's uh yeah, it's exciting. Poland predi- propping up the table right now. Any predictions? Do you think Poland are going to turn it on at long last, or do you think they're they're gone? I think they're probably gone. I think Sweden. Have been pretty firm. It's may- I'm I'm gonna go maybe a draw in the Sweden Poland game, and I think Spain will beat Slovakia, mm-hmm. and um, Spain will go through top, uh, top if they beat if they go ahead of the Sweden on goal difference. All right. Well, join us for the next episode of Who Watches the World Cup to find out how accurate Dave's predictions are. We'll see. He he thinks Germany have got it. He thinks France have got it. He thinks Spain have got it. And who's the last one? Sweden. Sweden already through, so Uh, that's one I can't take claim for. Okay, let's see. Let's see how we do. Thank you for listening to Who Watches the World Cup, and we will see you next time. This is me in Victor Orban. (laughs) These are my goodbye guns.